The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Happy, happy New Year, everyone, as I just totally dropped out of the music there. <laughs> so much for the slow fade. Eh, we'll give you a slow fade. Here we go. Happy New Year. Welcome to another edition of the TOSD Toddcast. We get 2019 off to a rollicking start here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. You can find us online at belmontmedia.org slash podcast and also at soundcloud.com by searching Belmont Media. You can listen to the Toddcast at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. I'm Todd Bologna from the award-winning Time Out for Sports Talk TV show available on BMC channels 9 and 29 and also on demand at belmontmedia.org. And always glad to be joined by Howie McClellan, who is manning the Studio B co-pilot seat. And uh, Howie, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Love it. Love being here. Love being here because that means that Patriots are playing in the next round against someone and we're going to enjoy it. Yeah, well, you know, you're right, Howie. What's seemingly become an annual rite of passage for us. Uh, we get together and uh, get to talk to uh, New England Patriots playoff football for the 10th straight year and for the 16th time in 18 years of the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era. The Pats are playing in January. And once again, we're pleased to be joined on the phone by Christopher Price of the Boston Sports Journal, who provides in-depth Patriots coverage over at bostonsportsjournal.com. You can also uh, uh, find him on Twitter at CPriceNFL. Chris, thank you very much for joining us here on the Toddcast and Happy New Year. It's my pleasure to be with you guys once again. I hope 2019 is off to a great start. Okay. Hopefully we can keep you in one place there. Uh, Your line sounded a little warbly there, uh, uh, but uh, we'll uh, want to try one more time. A quick hello. (laughs) Hello. How are you guys doing? You got me now? Yeah, yeah. That's much better. Okay, great. Sounds like Uh, a phone commercial. Can you hear me now? You got me now? Yeah, here we are, another Pats playoff push. Uh, boy, I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's just incredible. This is the ninth straight season that the, the Pats have earned a bye and are, are hosting a divisional round playoff game in the cozy confines of Gillette Stadium, where uh, this year they uh, are a perfect 8-0, and and they're the only NFL team this year that can say that. Uh, about their record at home, uh, but the reward for their success, uh, unfortunately, is to face a Los Angeles Chargers team that is also a perfect 8-0 and whenever they have boarded a plane to face an opponent, and how you brought up the point, for over 41,000 miles they've traveled through the air uh, this year. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I mean, they, they had to play all on the East Coast, they had playoff games, they had to go to London this year. What did the guy say? It was like uh, going around the world uh, one and a half or one and three quarters time. You know, the Pats have done like eight or 10,000 miles for the year in a plane. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, you know, Krista, despite how well our, our local football team has played when they've uh, been local, uh, 2018 certainly, uh, for me at least, has felt different uh, than other Patriot seasons. If For no other reason than uh, what I usually do every year at the beginning of the year when we make our uh, preseason predictions for records, I always tend to underpredict the Patriots' win total. And uh, once again, I did that this year at 11-5. and five, And this is the first time I can actually remember being right by underpredicting uh, because <laughs> this is hard to believe. It's the first time since 2009 that the Patriots didn't win at least 12 regular season games. Again, I file that under hashtag, boy, are we spoiled. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's really true. I mean, when you consider the track record of this team and the quarterback and the coach and 
you know, everything that kind of goes into it to have this sort of run is 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 amazing. You know, you you can compare it to uh, the, the only contemporary team that I can point to, and I can say, look, you know, it, it's it's a little bit like these guys was the you Forty know, Nine ers from the early eighties to the late nineteen nineties, but even then they had two different head coaches and two different Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and so I think this group stands alone. When you're talking about a singular run, when I say singular run, I mean one one head coach and one quarterback, uh, you know, in, in within that time frame. So it, it really, really is extraordinary. And they always say, and this is in the uh, salary cap era. They didn't have that back then. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that's true. In, in we, we, I mean, we should remember that 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 kind of straddled both eras. It was the you know early salary cap era, so. I'm always hesitant to say that the Niners weren't quite part of it because that run, I think, included it. But it, it's an excellent point that this is the first team that, you know, has had a run exclusively in the salary cap era in an era that's designed to bring everybody back to the middle, that's designed to, you know, kind of keep every, keep a level playing field with a cap and play in parity and balance scheduling and all that. They've been able to break through and have the consistent run of success that they've had. Well, you know, Chris, before we get into uh, Pats versus Chargers, I have to at least kind of uh, take a quick look back at the, the season that just passed. Uh, again, 11-5, and five, uh, and it, it's been a while since we've had a Patriots team that's only won 11 regular season games. And I, I just... It's uh, and that's a right. record that most cities would kill for. Well, I might add. And, and you know, for the longest time, I remember as a kid when the you know actually the first year the Patriots went well, they won eleven and I think they went eleven and three in seventy six, which was just slightly before my rooting time. Seventy eight, they went eleven and five the first sixteen game season, and uh, and then it was a little while before I think they had another eleven win. See, actually, they're you, you wait to the till you see Cleveland when they win their first eleven season win. Yeah, season. that might well that might very well, <laughs> that might very well be uh, but next year, but you know. Chris, the other thing I was also doing is I went back and listened to the podcast that the three of us did before the season, and uh, one of the things, you actually hit the nail on the head on several different uh, uh, picks. You said, for one thing, the Patriots were going to likely pick up a receiver, which they did in Josh Gordon, and we'll get to that in, in, in more detail maybe in a little bit, but uh, one of the things you also said is you thought defensively the secondary was probably going to be a strength of this team. And amongst all the rookies, I think you you gave uh, props for J.C. Jackson, who's uh, been coming on strong uh, in the second half of the season. So just your, your overall thoughts on this season. And to you, Chris, uh, report, you know, covering the team week in and week out, did this season feel different to you at all? Uh, it did feel a little bit different. I mean, they're all, you know, unique in their own way. And some of them kind of drop off the radar and you'll say, oh, I can't remember that this happened in, say, 2013 or 2015 or whatever the case may be. But this was an interesting year. I think on a, on a number of levels, it started, you know, with with struggles, you know, trying to find some consistency at the wide receiver spot. And you know, you've had guys kind of dip in and out. I semi-jokingly gave Chad O'Shea, uh, the Patriots wide receiver coach, my my coach of the year vote uh, in a column the other day. And so I think that, you know, we we never really saw stability there. But I think at the same time, you know. Given what they had, especially when it came to James White, I think you know he was able to kind of paper over some of those deficiencies. Um, but but yeah, I mean it, it, it was an interesting year. Look, I mean this team honestly is never boring, and I think that you know there were some some real highs over the course of the regular season. You know you see the continued development of, of you know guys like Jackson and Sony Michelle, and you know younger guys start to step to the fore and kind of augment the you know the veterans. Um, but but it was it was one of those it was it was a it was a memorable year like I said on a, on a number of levels I, I think 
you know, in hindsight, I think the biggest surprise was probably their their struggles on the road late in the year. We're very, very used to the Patriots playing, you know, very good post-Thanksgiving football in those two losses, uh, you know, the one in Pittsburgh and the one in Miami, I think were surprises. But at the same time, you know, when you take into account, as we mentioned before, you know, kind of the ebbs and flows of a season, 11-5, and five, quite frankly, leaves them well-positioned at this point. I don't know you know, going forward, what it's going to look like, especially if they have to go to Kansas City. I think if they figure out a way to stay at home, that is if, you know, Indy knocks off the Chiefs, you feel good about where you are given their, you know, their home record. They go on the road, it's, you know, a little bit more of a dicey proposition. But, you know, I I think all in all, when you take the entirety of the regular season into account, when you consider how tumultuous the offseason was and the moves that they made and the guys that they lost along the way, I think they should be very happy with 11 and 5 and the number 2 seed in the AFC. Yeah, well, you know, uh, and uh, Chris, I want to give you and Howie both props cuz another thing in that uh, preseason uh, podcast we did uh was both the, the two of you both predicted or I guess maybe I don't know if you made it an exact prediction but you both sort of alluded to the fact that you thought the Patriots would probably lose at Jacksonville at Pittsburgh and you know, it turns out they did uh, uh obviously to kind of compound or to kind of you go on what you're saying about the road troubles. I mean, I don't think any of us could have predicted they were going to struggle uh, so much on the road this year. Isn't that awesome but, that this tape around? Game two, I mean, <laughs> you, you got to remember that was the flukiest of all fluke losses. And I know that they always lose one division game every single year. I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, part of it, one of those losses, we, you know, you just don't see coming. But that was just, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a more bananas regular season finish to a Patriots game in the last, what, dozen or so years. I mean, that was nuts. That well, was well, that's another thing, Chris, because you said you weren't sure. Uh, you originally were going back and forth between 11-5 and five and 12-4. and four. You ended up going with 12-4, and four, but you also said, you know, it's probably going to be just a few moments, uh, you know, uh, uh, plays during the season. And, of course, obviously the end of that Miami game was the difference between 11 and 12 wins for this Patriots team and also uh, for a uh, for home field throughout. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, I mean, that that just shows that it's just, like we were saying before, I mean, it's moments, it's singular moments, it's five, six, seven plays a season that can sometimes turn things for you like that, and if they had found a way to, you know, bring down Kenyon Drake, they would have been 12-4, and four. and honestly, too, you know, you can point to the end of the Pittsburgh game, they could execute, you know, at the end of the Pittsburgh game, you're, you're looking at a team that's 13-3, that's and three and you know, there, there's there's nothing to worry about in terms of in terms of home field going forward. But you know, again, all things being equal, you know, the bumps and bruises, the ups and flows of a season, you know, you'd, you'd still take it. Eleven and five, I, I think that they're still on that short list of, of genuine Super Bowl contenders. I, I don't know if you know everyone who's playing this coming weekend can say that same thing. But, you know, I think that they have a real chance, again, as long as they stay at home, as long as they figure out a way to stay at home, I like the chances a lot. It's funny that Miami play, as much as, it, you know, years from now, you know, a lot of people will help you forget about it, but ESPN will find a way to make sure everyone keeps remembering it over and over and over again. <laughs> Even if the families of Don Shula and Mercury Morris are going to help to push that uh, narrative uh, in addition to uh, highlights of Super Bowl Forty Two as well. Uh, one, one, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, too. One more thing on that play. That, you know, when we're in a press box, and you guys know this, too, when you're in a press box, you're expected to – there's a certain etiquette that you're supposed to follow and you're supposed to be very prim and proper and you're supposed to have, you know, a very, very grown-up level of decorum. As that play was developing, you heard more and more people in the press box go, oh, my goodness, you got to be kidding. Like, the level in the press box was getting louder and louder. And, and just the level of disbelief 
that's when a... he crossed the goal line. My guess yeah. is that you would have had to bleep out, like if it, if the press room had been mic'd, uh, it, I probably would have had to bleep out a few things, like holy... Exactly, it would have been yeah. a PG-13 broadcast at that point, I think. Yeah, we're watching the game at my house, it's going on, and it, it, like I said, the, the level, I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, and, <laughs> and my wife's like in the other room. What? 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 <laughs> right, I'm watching with you, Howie. Yeah. Of course, I'm seeing the last line of defense is, is Rob Gorkowski. That's where Rob that was. Oh bleep! <laughs> that's exactly how hey, I felt. But when you I know saw what? That, like but... you said, we're 11 and five. We've advanced again to the playoffs. We're where we normally want to be, other than number one seed. But you know what? Hey, the Colts. Hopefully, you know, never rooted for them before, but I'll be rooting for them this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, some uh, really uh, actually before we get into Pat's Chargers, Chris, wanted to get get your quick thoughts on the wild card games this weekend, and and maybe even uh, some some quick thoughts on the uh, Colts Kansas City game. The, the thing that stood out for me the most was this past weekend, and I wrote about it today for Boston Sports Journal, was the fact that so many games turned on special teams. That you know you you saw obviously the Bears and the Eagles, you know the missed field goal at the end, the double doing from from Cody Parkey, but. You know, Sebastian Janikowski's injury at the end of the first half of the, uh, the, the, the Seahawks-Cowboys game, that had a sizable impact on play calling down the stretch and, and what the Seahawks were going to do and how that game played out. Uh, the Ravens and the Chargers, uh, a number of special teams play, plays. And, you know, the, the, the Chargers kicker converting on four field goals. And, you know, Desmond King with a great run back. And, and the, you know, the, the Ravens, you know, deflecting a punt. So much of... What goes on in the postseason? It, it's a razor thin margin of you know wins and losses, and I firmly believe that that's going to be the case for the Patriots going forward. That you know we, we know how they match up offensively, defensively. You know we we know the the head coaching matchup and the tendencies, but these games are so close. And again, the Patriots. I'm saying the same thing. If the Patriots move on, if if they're if they're able to get past the Chargers and, and end up playing the Chiefs or the Colts, whoever it may be, that, that special teams in the postseason has a way of all of a sudden becoming a lot more important. And I think that was the case on Wild Card Weekend, and I think we're going to see more of that going forward. Okay. The, you got to figure at this point in time, there's no tomorrow. If you don't win today, you're all done. So mm-hmm. so that makes every mistake and every you know misthrow, every fumble – like I said, three times is important now because that could make a break. I felt so bad for that Chicago team, and they had a great season. And that, that poor kicker. And, and when it hit the post, I'm like, oh, it hit the inside. It's going to make it good. Yeah. Boom, and it kicked out. I'm like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Right but but it's, it's funny. It's one of those things, and it's, you know, we, we know the broad brushes, and we know the main storylines, and we know Brady versus Rivers, and we know Stephon Gilmore and Keenan Allen or whoever it's going to be. You know, you, you, you know Trent Brown and, and Joey Bosa and, you know, those matchups. But I honestly believe in this game, Patriots are able to corral, you know, Desmond King. I think that goes a long way toward, towards winning. And, and, again, I think that's going to be a storyline that, that certainly bears watching, special teams matchups, that is, going forward. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously uh, you and Bill Belichick agree. We know how Belichick likes to stress the importance of special oh, yeah. teams and, and, and certainly uh, why uh, that's always been a strong unit on the Patriots and even had a, a pretty good year this year. Well, you know, uh, looking at this game, obviously of the three potential opponents the Patriots could have faced this week, uh, you know, we, I think uh, if we had ranked the three of them, I mean, the Chargers would have been the team as far as degree of difficulty. We would have ranked third and last that we would have least liked to have seen. Uh, probably Texans and Ravens first and, and second. I mean, the thing with the Chargers is while they may not necessarily be great 
at any one particular uh, part of the game or one facet of the game. What they are is they are more than solid in every facet of the game. Which yeah. You brought up the special teams. Uh, you've got the veteran, Phil, you know, Philip Rivers, and, you know, their defense, guys like Bosa and, uh, and uh, Melvin uh, uh, Ingram. I mean, you know, oh, and, yeah. and, boy, and, boy, he had a huge game on Sunday against the Ravens. So, I mean, you know, they've got big-name playmakers that – you know, you expect to step up and uh, make the playoffs, and, and they've not had any fear of going on the road this year and doing just that. Yeah, it's really true. They are as, as mentally and as physically tough a team as you mentioned earlier. You know, this is a team that has been around the world, that's played an awful lot of games on the road this year, and they haven't really blinked. I mean, there are a couple of just, you know, a couple of missteps here and there from being like 13 and 3. They, they really, really are. You know, we talk about how seasons turn on a decision or a, a series of plays here or there they could very easily be 13 and 3 and we could be flying out to you know los angeles for for this one so and play in front of 38,000 people <laughs> yeah, and most of and most of them patriots fans probably <laughs> i think the thing that, that that we need that that really jumps out to me and you you hit on so many of the personnel notes there the the fact that melvin gordon is I don't want to say a question mark to play, but his his level of oomph that he's going to bring to the field on Sunday, that for me is is something that I, I really want to watch because he's such a dynamic player when he's healthy, but he hasn't been completely healthy really over the second half of the season. And the drop-off there, at least from a personnel perspective, if you're talking about skill position guys, it's one of the most dramatic in the league. Now, they still get you know a serviceable running game, but, but Melvin Gordon, a healthy Melvin Gordon, just changes what they do offensively. And if that knee isn't 100%, I wonder about their ability to move the ball with any sort of consistency on the ground. We know that they're going to be able to throw, and we know that it's going to be really strength against strength when you talk about the Chargers passing game going up against the New England secondary. But at the same time, uh, you know, Gordon really brings an added dimension to that offense. And if Gordon isn't healthy, that's going to change things for for both teams. I, I think that you know that, that that's going to be a huge swing. That's going to be a huge X factor going into this game. So yeah, I agree with you. Up and down, both sides of the ball. A lot of playmakers on offense. A lot of playmakers on defense. They have an ability to get after the quarterback. Um, and Gordon is one of those question marks, though. The other thing that I would say on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to be interested to see how much. I don't think they're going to do a whole lot of it, but how much they're going to replicate their defensive game plan, the one that they had against the Ravens, where they really ran out a bunch. I think seven defensive backs, uh, you know, most of the game. And, and, you know, if the Patriots are able to take advantage of that, they're able to see those sub packages and check down to the likes of, you know, Sony Michelle and James White and see if those guys are able to do it. One more thing that I think certainly bears repeating here, and my colleague Greg has written about it, this defense is run by Gus Bradley, and Gus Bradley is a disciple of Dan Quinn. We've seen these Bradley-Quinn defenses before in years past, and one of the things, really the Achilles heel of this group, is they have an inability to stop um, running backs in the passing game. And so I would think that, look, James White's going to get a lot of options anyway, but I think that this would be a big James White game on Sunday afternoon as a result. I was going to say, speaking of injuries, what's the uh, latest on Cordero Patterson? He is expected to be out there when uh, you know when we get our first look at him on Wednesday. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's anyone's guess right now. I will say this: it's been radio silence around him and his team. What um, else is new <laughs> in terms of where he is physically? But that knee after 
you know, after he got dinged up late in the season, he was kind of gimping around a little bit. Um, we've seen him in the locker room a couple times since then. He looks like he's moving better, but he is without a doubt, to your point, a very important part of that offense. He became a very important part of that offense late in the season. And they are going to lean on him an awful lot come Sunday if he's healthy. Well, sure, uh, between the running and the passing game for Patterson, but not to mention, as, as you already said, uh, the importance of Patterson on special teams as a kickoff returner. Uh, certainly his absence will be uh, felt really strongly there if he's not able to uh, to, to play on, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. He, he's one of those guys who has kind of grown into a larger role. He started the spring really looking impressive, and we were thinking, oh, man, this guy's just going to light it up. and offensively really didn't bring a lot to the table and then when they started that kind of that running running back experiment roughly midway through the year all of a sudden kind of everyone's eyes perked up and now they're they're running those jet sweeps and they're getting lots of you know separation when you're talking about you know getting around the end and I, I think he's done a really good job kind of incorporating himself into that offense making himself a very important part of what they want to get done offensively yeah. that's what I was gonna say that's what that's what Belichick loves that's what's great about the Patriots they can get a guy like him he might not have the greatest of skills in any one thing but he can do several of them very good and that's what yeah. makes it that's what keeps him around yeah, he, he can he can cover a lot of, you know, we talked before about James White being able to paper over a lot of deficiencies. Uh, I think Patterson has some of that in his game in the fact that he went back there, he played some running back, he's done some kick returning, he's played some wide receiver. Look, he's not, you know, I mean, he's not the most technically sound wide receiver in the world. I don't want to make him out to be Jerry Rice, but, you know, in a year where they've struggled to find some consistency at the wide receiver spot, I think he has done more than his share of work to try and get up to speed as fast as possible. Yeah, well, and speaking of the the Patriots running game, again, we're being joined by uh, Chris Price of uh, bostonsportsjournal.com. He's done a great job uh, covering the Patriots for for many years uh, now on his latest uh, on this latest uh, site, uh, uh, Boston Sports Journal. But uh, Chris, uh, you brought up uh, well, speaking of the Patriots running game and of course you had also earlier brought up Gus Bradley, uh, the uh, Chargers uh, defensive coordinator and that uh, rather unique unorthodox uh, uh, look where they had seven defense Defensive backs and had safeties playing at the linebackers in their uh, win against Baltimore last week. Uh, do you think there's a chance? Again, I think the reason they were doing that, obviously, they were trying to force Lamar Jackson. They were trying to take away the the passing game entirely. I think forcing the Ravens to try to run the football. Well, it would feel to me that if you're the Chargers, wouldn't you want to employ a similar type defense, take the ball out of Brady's hands, and maybe you know it, force the Patriots into a position where they may hand off the ball more and run? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, I don't want to say, and Greg wrote a great piece about this the other day, I don't want to say that they're going to dare them to run, but, you know, you're going to see a situation where you're going to see an awful lot of defensive backs on the field. I think more often than not, you're going to see, you know, a defensive front that includes guys like Bosa. Um, and they're going to say, all right, have at it, fellas. You know, if you want to run the ball, fine, run the ball. But, you know, that's the way you're going to beat us. So there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, this is... The, the true definition of, and guys say this in the locker room all the time, spin the dial defense. You're going to get a lot of different looks. I think this is one of the true definitions of that. Um, but again, I think one of the you know consistencies that we've seen from these defenses, I don't want to say they give up, but they just, they do. They just, they give up a lot of yards in the passing game to running backs, and that certainly sets up very nicely for a New England group of backs. Uh, you know, when you're talking about James White and Rex Burkhead, you know, they're our major contributors in the passing game for, for both of those guys that yeah, I like to see a nice running game by Sony Michelle too. You know, just to, to break things up and uh, you know put a little uh, deception in there on them. Yeah, I agree. And, and the 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 thing is, in what the what the the Chargers ended up doing over the weekend 
was they were able to bottle up that running game because a lot of what the, the Ravens do is predicated on them playing with a lead. You know, the, the numbers that they were able to put up, I always say that stats have to do with some sort of context. And the majority of the Ravens' rushing yards, their, their success in the running game, came as a result of their early lead. And one of the things that, you know, the Chargers were able to do, they were able to get up on them early, kind of take them out of the game and make them throw the ball. So that changed things a little bit. Um, so I, I just don't know how much that you can transfer from that game, at least from a Chargers defensive point of view, to this one uh, for a couple reasons, not the least of which, you know, you kind of got to let it play out a little bit. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all shapes up. But I think that the Chargers have the options defensively to make those changes, to make those adjustments as needed. I tell you, they they did impress me. I wasn't, I didn't think they were that good defensively. I haven't really seen many of their games this year, but they, uh, like I said, they seemed to bottle up uh, Baltimore and they bottled up uh, the quarterback and didn't get to run too much. Um, I, I, someone at work today was telling me, and I, and I really didn't see this, but he was saying that what uh, they were doing is they were crashing in on the guards and like pushing them into the backfield so that it was kind of disrupting things. For Jackson in, in the backfield, yeah, I mean, yeah. I and, and a lot of that just goes back to guys to to really good complementary football. I mean, the Ravens, the reason, and I'm not saying this was the only reason, but one of the reasons they were able to run the ball as successfully as they were, because they were really good at playing with a lead. You know, over the course of the the second half of the season, you know, you take them out of that situation, you know, you you force them to throw the ball in the second half. That's what you're going to get. And so, you know, that, that's what I mean when I say I don't know how much is transferable because the Ravens' offense was so unique and so dependent on playing with a lead that I don't know how much you can bring forward when you say, well, the Chargers are going to do the same thing defensively to the Patriots that they did to the Ravens. I think there are going to be some earmarks and there are going to be some similarities here and there, but I think this defense is versatile enough, the Chargers' defense is versatile enough to give them a different look on Sunday than they gave the, the Ravens last Sunday. Yeah, sure. And, of course, with Lamar Jackson, I mean, you know, I think he's got a very dynamic future ahead of him. There's a lot of things he can do, but certainly his his passing skills are going to have to improve big time. And, and certainly that's, you know, obviously it's a much different situation for the Chargers defense in, in facing Tom Brady, who, if he's behind 23-3, to no sweat. I mean, he's he's had to do that before, and he'll certainly be, he'll be back there passing. But, uh, you know, as we kind of change this around and flip things the other way, um, um, you know, we talk about the offense and maybe with with Tom Brady and the passing game itself. Um, I have some concerns in the fact that, you know, if I if I was, an, I mean, another thing that uh, San, uh, San Diego, I was going to yeah. one, one slip. There you go. Uh, the Chargers. I should have just called them the everybody Chargers. Does yes, it. I know the Chargers. Well, you, you know, it's obvious that, you know, if you're the well, if you're Gus Bradley, one of the things you might want to think about doing is taking Julian Edelman out of this game, uh, because otherwise, you know, then you're saying to, you know, hey, Brady, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to throw to Gronk. And we all know how banged up Rob Gronkowski's been this year. Or you're going to have to maybe go underneath to to White or Burkhead. But, you know, we'll just take that, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts if that's the way we want to go. I, I guess my question here, Chris, a uh, long roundabout way of getting to it, but as I was looking back at last year's playoffs, Brady completed 89 passes last year, and 52 of them were to guys who were no longer here. Uh, Deion Lewis, Brandon Cooks, and particularly Danny Amendola, Danny Playoffs Amendola. You know, Brady doesn't have as many of those safety valves other than, say, Edelman, who, of course, he didn't have last year. You know, and, and as we know, Gronk's not 100%. 
are, these are some of the concerns I have. Like, what if the the Chargers are able to somehow take Edelman out of the game or neutralize him? Then is it just going to be Brady dumping underneath to, to Burkhead and White all day? Is that the only uh, yeah, answer? I, they're going to narrow. I mean, the, the, the last two regular season games, I think, were great for the New England offense because they were able to feature a lot of different guys in the passing game. I mean, that's when they expanded to Hogan and they expanded to Dorsett. My experience is that they are probably going to narrow their focus a little bit once the playoffs begin, once things kick off on Sunday. I think it's great that you know you can offer a wide variety of targets, but as we've seen in the past, Brig will go after his guys. I think it's going to be, like I said before, I think it's going to be a heavy James White game. I think it's going to be you know, the potential to be a heavy Rex Burkhead game. Um, they're not going to take a lot of shots downfield. This is not what this offense is designed to do. This is a, an offense that's going to kind of, like you said, maybe, you know, look at uh, death by a thousand paper cuts, and you know, trying to kind of, you know, kind of bleed the other team and 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 you know, take take what's given you. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to see the way it all kind of you know ends up playing out. I think that this has the potential to be a, a really compelling ball game. But I think the Patriots' offense. Again, I wouldn't look for a lot of deep shots. I wouldn't look for a lot of throws, you know, downfield. You know, this is going to be one of those short, one of those intermediate games where Brady's going to be able to rely on the make you miss guys, and he's going to take his, he's going to take a few chances downfield with the likes of Hogan and Dorsett. But I don't think that's going to be an overwhelming part of the offense. You know, let's look at the other side of this too, Chris. Uh, the Patriots' defense against Philip Rivers on the Chargers' offense. Uh, a couple different questions I want to ask here. I know how he had asked about uh, Cordero Patterson. Uh, I've got a, a kind of a, it's, I don't know if it's an injury, more of an inactive update. Uh, Danny Shelton, who's been in, well, I guess they activated him the last week. It's been Adrian Claiborne, uh, who's not been in there lately. Uh, my my question is, well, first of all, I guess my first question would be. Does it have to be between Shelton and Claiborne? Couldn't they both be potentially active? I know they do different things defensively, Shelton being more of a run stopper, Claiborne more of a pass rusher, but then kind of that leads into my, my next question about can the Patriots get pressure on Phillip Rivers because that's something that they've struggled to do all year unless, of course, it's number 98 Trey Flowers, you know, kind of disrupting uh, quarterbacks' uh, passing rhythms. But otherwise, you know, Patriots are near the bottom of the league in uh, sacks this year. Yeah, it is. It's going to be interesting to see. There's, there's going to have to be someone who is going to step up, whether it's Dietrich Wise, whether it's, you know, as you mentioned before, Claiborne. You're, you're going to need to see someone give you a little bit of an infusion when it comes to the pass rush. Kyle Van Noy has been able to do it on occasion. We've seen a, you know, a few random blitzes here and there from the likes of Jonathan Jones. But Patriots are going to have to figure out a way to get a little bit more pressure consistently on Rivers than they have over the course of the year. The interesting thing is they've done well with pressure, but they just haven't been able to get home as successfully as they have, you know, there maybe have, have hoped to be, uh, you know, over the course of the 2000, over the course of the 2018 season. Um, the difference between Wise and Claiborne, I do think it's one of the be either or situations. Claiborne struggled to set the edge. I think if, you know, the Patriots had ended up playing Baltimore, I think, you know, Claiborne would have sat because he has had issues in, in that area when it comes to setting the edge over the course of the season. We might have seen more um, Shelton. Shelton's in there because, you know, the Patriots' defensive tackles need a little depth, and I think that was one of the areas where they struggled a little bit. You know, when, when you look back toward the end of the year, I don't think it's the only reason, but I don't think it was completely coincidental that they struggled to stop the run late in the season when Shelton was out. So there's a couple of different things that have to kind of go into it. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the course of the week, what they decide to end up doing come Sunday afternoon. Maybe maybe it'll be Uncle Albert that'll uh, bring him on to victory. 
Special Albert teams Ingram? maven. Albert McClellan he's talking Albert about. Albert McClellan. There you go. Albert McClellan. That's Albert McClellan's been a special team stud, man. I that's my him. uncle. Uncle Albert. Howie McClellan not, not and really, Albert McClellan. Yeah, it's kind of a close there in the uh, last name. Well, half half my family spells it the way he does. Half my family spells it the other way. So I, I don't know, but I just but I do have an Uncle Albert. So were, were you a fan of Shane McClellan too? Spelling it a little bit differently. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <was>. I was. <laughs> no question. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll get a couple of blocks, a couple of block punts going for a score. Love it, man. You need guys like that. Backup linebacker, special team stud. Uh, it's, it's you know no coincidence. They snapped him up when he was and when he when he became available. Yeah. All right. Well, well, Chris. Uh, as we wrap up here with you, uh, how who do you ultimately? Uh, how do you see this game ultimately playing out? And if there's like, uh, you know, maybe one, two, or three X factors in the game, uh, how do you see it going uh, on Sunday? I'll, I'll I'll wrap up the same way I started. I think special teams are going to play a huge role in this one. I think that it has the potential to be a difference maker. I'm not talking about a big run back or something, but a punt block. Uh, you know, a, a big play on special teams by New England, I think that has a chance to be a separator when you're talking about this thing. I think Philip Rivers has the potential to scare the hell out of just about everyone in this thing, but I think New England ends up winning by a touchdown or less and advancing to the AFC Championship game. So, look, it's going to be fun to watch. It, it really will be because the Chargers are an incredibly compelling team and the Patriots being at home in January, they're always a fun watch. But I, I think New England is going to have just a little... A little bit more in the tank uh, when this thing wraps up. So I was going to say ready for another AFC Championship game, basically. And you said special teams, so again, I'll go back to Uncle Albert. Yeah. And yeah. I, on the, I heard the news on the way uh, before I came down today, and they're saying it's going to be cold in the twenties in Foxborough. Uh, exactly. So, snow too. With a chance of snow, we all know how Brady. Go. We all know how Brady performs in the cold and in the snow. Uh, by the way, uh, in the Brady Belichick era, Pats are eleven and one at Gillette or at home, I should say, in the uh, divisional round of the uh, the playoffs this is uh, t- technically this has been their round although one of the odd things this is one of the few years uh, it's only the sixth time in all these years that the patriots are going to be playing the divisional playoff game on a sunday typically they get the saturday yeah. draw which is strange isn't it it's usually in my experience it's like every saturday night you know that's that's the right game but i guess the rams are a little bit more compelling this year well that and then the other thing that kind of worries me is i i have memories of some you know sunday afternoon patriot home playoff games that in the brady Belichick era that aren't that good. Uh, 09, the wild card game uh, to the Ravens. Uh, Ray Rice on the first play from scrimmage runs 80 yards. Then there was the Rex Ryan when the Pats were the number one seed at 14 and 2. Oh, yeah. And the Jets uh, stunned him on divisional weekend. Uh, that was another Sunday game. So. Yeah, and, and didn't I uh, didn't I hear too that the if they get to the AFC Championship, that's going to be the late game that Sunday? That will be the late game. Look, no one on ever East Coast. the sports yeah. writer, but I. <laughs> Keep my fingers crossed every year that that AFC Championship game is the early one because a 6.30 start, that you're not getting out of there till like, midnight, 2 o'clock in <laughs> yeah. the morning. It might as well be like a, a Monday night football kickoff. Right? Or, or, or like the Super Bowl two weeks later. The only difference is you don't have a half-hour halftime show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. Again, nobody sheds any tears for the sports writer, so we'll, we'll, we'll continue to soldier on and do our job. And uh, so uh, kind of going back to what you'd said kind of at the top of our uh, discussion, uh, you think that the uh, – what do you think of the Colts Chiefs? you think the Patriots will get a chance to host the AFC Championship game under your uh, prediction? I, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on making a final prediction. I'll just say this. In our house – just from a logistical perspective, it's a lot easier when the Patriots are home for the AFC Championship game. And so my wife and son are 
big Colts fans this weekend. I'll just say that. <laughs> That'll be two weeks in a row. We've all been big Colts fans. I was going to say, yeah, we're all we're all pulling for the Colts all of a sudden. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, given uh, the the history there between those two teams and and what might have been Josh McDaniels, uh, who could have been uh, the Colts head coach, and now it just it looks like uh, as of today, he says he's staying put for the time being and. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, we've got uh, we've got more Josh McDaniels in the in the Patriots' future. Yes, exactly. We're good or bad, I think. And I looked at today. Basically, he tied himself to the quarterback. I wonder if there's going to be a ripple effect from Brady saying that look, he wants to play in 2018. McDaniels is coming back in 2019. I wonder if Rob Gronkowski, who has been strengthening on to middle about 2019, sees those guys coming back and says, "All right." Let's get the band back together at least for one more year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, time will tell. Time will tell. Sure. All right, Chris. Well, listen, we appreciate uh, the time you were able to uh, spend with us here tonight. Let's hope we can do this again in a week. I'd like to do it again next week. Good. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. Take care, and we'll talk soon. Okay, right, thank thanks you so a lot, much. Chris. Have a good night. Yep. All right. Bye-bye. Again, that's uh, Chris Price from the Boston Sports Journal. You can uh, follow him. Uh, at, uh, his Twitter handle is at Chris uh, at CPriceNFL, and uh, the Twitter handle uh, for Boston Sports Journal is at Boston Sports BSJ. Saying it's really easy. Or, or you can get the app. <laughs> as, as I was sitting here and yes. he was talking, I downloaded the app right here. It took me seconds. So. There you go. Exactly. Right. It's Very really easy. easy. Very easy to do. And, uh, yes, I, I know uh, his. he mentioned his, uh, his boss, Greg. That would be Greg Bedard, who also does a lot of football writing on the site. Uh, would love to have have you subscribed to uh, Boston Sports Journal? They've got some talented writers. Uh, obviously, Chris Price and Greg Bedard, years of uh, covering the Patriots, a lot of experience there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, they got Sean McAdam on the Red Sox and some, uh, yeah, good good stuff, definitely. Uh, as, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a good... Uh, that was a uh, good yeah. Well, anyway, Howie, we're going to kind of continue along here, I guess, with uh, a little bit more uh, discussion on the uh, on the game Sunday. And in fact, uh, throw, you might want to put your headphones back on, Howie. This one's for in honor of uh, this Sunday's game. May have to wait for the lyrics to start. I know. Well, that's the point. The point is that they're always going to be the. They're always going to be the San Diego Chargers, not like the. Yeah, actually, if we'd had more time with Chris, I would have asked him uh, what the plans are with that Whalers book he wants to write. But uh, oh, really? Oh, that's well, he was cool. talking. Yeah, he's still talking about that. I, I think he's been kind of sidetracked with a lot of his Patriots work, but uh, I think he did want to get around. I'm sure he must have gotten a kick uh, out of seeing the, uh, the the Whalers in those uh, those jer- or, the, or I should say the Hurricanes in the Whalers jerseys. But as uh, we all were, right. Well, see, the point of that song, Howie, is just the fact that, you know, obviously we all keep calling them the San Diego Chargers. and uh, Just like I never, I always called them the Oakland Raiders. I never got to the call them Los Angeles Raiders. Well, and that, that worked out well because they eventually went back. I mean, exactly. you know, so. But, of course, now they're leaving California forever. Uh, yeah, this will be the Los We don't even Vegas. know. Actually, uh, next year they might just be the Lost Raiders because we don't. Or the Raiders are the Lost team. I, well, you know, I don't. Where are they going to be playing next year? Because no. it doesn't look like they're going to be playing in Oakland, and their stadium in Las Vegas is not finished yet. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to have to find. What about the uh, stadium for the University of Las Vegas? Yeah, that's a thought. I mean, I don't know why that hasn't been mentioned before. The UNLV Stadium. Yeah. I'm sure they have one. Of course, it may not be like NFL compliant. But then again, you know, look where the Chargers are playing right now. They're playing in a soccer stadium of thirty thousand. I mean, well below uh, capacity. By the way, I don't. Think, I think the last thing the NFL probably wants is for the Chargers and Colts to both win this weekend and the Chargers to be hosting the AFC Championship game uh, in that little rinky-dink soccer stadium. Could, could they play it? Maybe the, is Candlestick still up? 
I don't think so. You know, someone else was asking me. <laughs> like Candlestick, like the old days. I the, thought they knocked. I think, is dead. As far as I know, I think Candlestick got knocked down. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, boy, you know, and, you know, a couple other things we didn't really get into with Chris, but some other intangibles here. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. Brady and Rivers, this is uh, the, the it's going to be the third time that they faced each other in the playoffs. Patriots winning both of those. But you got to go back 11 and 12 years ago. It's amazing that these two it's quarterbacks. Been a long time, yeah. Right. I mean, it, it seemed at one point, too, it seemed like we were playing the Chargers every year because it was always yeah. with like Daniel Thompson, uh, you know, the. Uh, the incident at half at the right uh, that was the that was the 06 division that was the 06 divisional playoff yeah. game i mean so it's and it seemed like we played them all the time and now yep. like i said we haven't seems like we haven't seen them forever no well right at least not in the playoffs anyway but it is amazing when you think about it brady and rivers you know meeting you got these two veteran quarterbacks and now they're playing each other in the playoffs 11 years after their last playoff game uh head to head by the way head to head these two it's 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 all brady 7 and 0 uh, perfect 7-0 record. That includes the two playoff uh, games, as we uh, mentioned, 06 and 07, uh, the 06 Divisional Playoff game. By the way, last Patriots Road Playoff game, 2006 Divisional Playoff in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, so they're not going to duplicate that, obviously. They can't go back and win in San Diego again. But <laughs> Candlestick has been destroyed. It has. I thought it was. In yeah, 2015, I, I... said Candlestick yeah. uh, was de- finally demolished. Right. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, I think, well, that's very valuable property. I think they want to put up some luxury apartments or something on it, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, Maybe they could play at Kaiser Stadium. I don't think, see, I, I think that, that was long demolished. No, no, I think it, it's, like, it, it, it's very small now. Oh, you mean uh, like the Chargers, like the Chargers no, Stadium, no, like even smaller. smaller. Oh, like like what, like like <laughs> like, like maybe a like thousand, like maybe five to ten thousand or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd see. I don't think that's gonna. That's not an option either for sure. Wow, I don't know. Uh, well, the only thing I can think of is maybe the 49ers will let them uh, borrow Santa Clara for a season if if they know it's just like a one year thing. What about the um, uh, Oakland Coliseum? Well, you know, no, no, I that's what we right. Talked about. They can't. That's where they play. Well, that's what they're playing. No, but I think the reason I think their lease runs out now. Yeah. Technically, the stadium is still going to be there because yeah, the well, Oakland they, A's are it, it playing had something for to do year. with. They said, I guess the um, Oakland, the city of Oakland, was going to take them to court for all the uh, money they were going to lose, all the jobs for people that worked around there, all the revenue and income, because they were taking off. And the Raiders said to him, if you take us to court, we will not play next year in your stadium. Yeah. Well, City of Oakland took him to court. So now it's like, all right, I drew the red line in the sand, so I can't cross it. Right. And that's the way it went. That's how, and of course, with Davis, he's not going to. And if you didn't already have two teams playing in Los Angeles, perhaps the Davis family, very familiar with trucking back down to L.A., where about, there's still a lot of Raider fans, by the way. How San Diego played last year? <laughs> oh, Qualcomm in yeah, San Diego? why not? Oh my God! How what how year? messed up would that be? <laughs> the San they Diego Raiders, I know, somewhere. right? Yeah, no, you're right. The stadium, as far as I know, Qualcomm is still there. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know if they've had if there's been anyone even uh, occupying that, or if, there, if the doors have even been open since the Chargers left town. I'm going to guess no. I can't think what other events they would have held there, but yeah, uh, they got to find yeah. something. I mean, yeah, there's there's like, enough options around. I'm sure they can they can figure something out, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll be uh, interesting, but uh, yeah. So I mean, again, it's, you know, as I say, there's a lot of uh, history here. You brought up, you know, that that 06 playoff game. What a wild game that was! The Chargers were the number one seed that year. Marty Schottenheimer. They were heavily favored. Pats go in and, and upset was, them. Was Rivers quarterback then? Uh, was I, it, uh... No, I think he was. I think he was because he would have. He was uh, 04, class of 04, and he's played every. He hasn't missed a game. Okay, he's kind of like who did he take over? Was it Alex Smith? Who was the quarterback in San Diego? They got rid of. 
Before. Oh, is that true, Breeze? No, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, Breeze. They did get rid of Breeze. Breeze you're right. Yeah, so right. He replaced Breeze. Right. Yeah. Well, and remember that was the swap too, where and the chart was in there somewhere too. They had the two. Well, short no, no, Eli Manning. Remember, Chargers well, had the number the one pick. Yeah. They wanted to draft Eli Manning, and, and the Manning family said, "No, we don't want to go to San Diego." Well, I don't know why, but they didn't want you know. So that's so they ended up kind of swapping, and there was like tra- you know a whole bunch of machinations involved, and that's how uh, the Chargers ended up with Rivers. They drafted Rivers instead of you know. Yeah. But, uh, but or, of course, Drew Brees was expendable because right. they they thought he was too short. And they didn't think he was going to make it the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> and here he is, and the number one seed in the yeah. NFC yeah, this so, year. I mean, so Ian has won the Super Bowl. How many San Diego got? Yeah, um, uh, I guess they didn't call that one right. No, nothing against Rivers. Rivers is a great quarterback, but mm. you know, they're just uh, the perception of, of what they look at quarterbacks. I mean, short and they can't do this. I mean. The guy was great, and San Diego just threw yeah. him out the door. Well, and Rivers' all-time uh, postseason, you know, obviously, you know, Brady, we, we've always talked about a lot of his postseason numbers. Rivers is only 5-5 five and five in his career in the playoffs, and that includes only one win out of the wild card round. He's 4-0 and oh now in the wild card round, including the win last week in Baltimore. One win in the divisional playoff round, and then that's Who's it. Who's that against? Uh, well, it was the year uh, that they went to the AFC Championship game in 07 against the Patriots. I honestly don't remember who they who they would have beat that year to get there. But, uh, uh, but yeah, and then, of course, that game in Foxborough, that was the, uh, you know, the Patriots won 21-12. to uh, that, that, was, that would be their 18th and, sadly, their final win of that 2007 season. Uh, we did not know it at the time. But it was a game also where the Patriots had to struggle uh, to win that game. Uh, and that was also the game Rivers himself was playing on a torn MCL or ACL, and he kind of gutted it out. And Tomlinson, who also had a similar injury, would not. He sat on – he didn't play at all. And Rivers kind of showed what a, a tough uh, – uh, guy he is uh but yeah, i get a uh, lot of respect for him he, he just he's quiet he does his thing you know he doesn't make a lot of noise he just plays football and he plays it hard he plays it right he does it the yeah. right way not <laughs> surprisingly too this is going to set a, a record brady and rivers combined ages 78 years and like 190 something days <laughs> combined ages of the two starting quarterbacks uh rivers is 37 i mean this might be his last year so, so you know you're telling me the game's being sponsored by aarp <laughs> yeah among others right you know and uh Geritol and uh, you know all the other uh jokes you can uh, insert in there but uh yeah, I mean, so, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, like, I'm kind of with Chris uh, Price a little bit that I, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Patriots are going to grind it out as they've kind of done all year, but it's it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, if, if for them to win, especially that way, they're going to have to stay away from the stupid penalties, the, you know, the, the, the offsides, uh, the stupid late hits. Yeah. I mean, the silly things that they can't afford now. I mean, they did a lot of that during the season. To get away with it because it was a next week, right. might not be a next week. And if the game's going to be that close, that tight, and that grinded out, those are the things that'll make or break the uh, end. Yeah, I mean, I think the team that makes the fewer mistakes is probably going to win this game. I mean, you just look on paper, it feels like the Chargers might be a little bit better. I mean, they've, you know, they again, they just, they've got some, you know, some big playmakers, but, you know, whether Melvin Gordon is going to be able to be much of a factor in this game because he's banged up. I mean, let's face it, everyone's banged up this time of year. But, I mean, I guess if I was looking at this from the Chargers' point of view, I would definitely try to take Edelman out of the game and force Brady to have to, you know, throw it to anyone else other than him. I mean, because I think ultimately whenever there's going to be a third down situation for the Patriots yes there I think you know perhaps James White will become the beneficiary of those Brady throws on those key third down plays but I think a lot of times we all know Brady's going to be looking for number 11 yeah but I'm saying I'm thinking that they're going to have like big games from like a Dorsett uh from uh Patterson from a, mm-hmm. a Hollister 
I mean, just someone. Uh, actually, Hollister just went on IR. Okay, he's, he's so not, he's not playing. He's done for the year. Right. So <laughs> I Dwayne, just heard that Dwayne coming over Allen. here. Dwayne yeah. Allen. You know okay, I mean? yes. They, they need it from look. somebody that yeah. they're not going to expect, um, because, like I said, they're going to take out certain people. Uh, again, maybe maybe Gronk can dig down deep and not be as they said, running with a piano on his back. Yeah. Hopefully, a couple of weeks off. You know, you don't know. The thing that bothers about San Diego that I watched <laughs> this week, they're always going to be San Diego. It doesn't matter. And they're always going to be the, Los, the, the Oakland Raiders, not the no, Los Angeles. No. They showed a lot of speed, you know, and yeah. that concerns me because the Pats are old in the tooth, yeah. and they seem to not be able to catch up. So what they can do is, right? I stopped it. I'm sorry. I just couldn't resist when you threw it. <laughs> Sorry, you already did it twice too. I just don't have controls to, to, I know. to blow you're, your. You're, you're right. Up. You're you're right. You're you know, right. But they have a lot of speed, and that speed bothers me. And mm. and I just hope that we don't get outrun. Yeah, well, right. And then even you know from the passing side of things, I mean Keenan Allen. You know Keenan Allen had a big year, uh, almost uh, 1,200 yards in receptions. Uh, Mike Williams, the the former USC kid. Or, no, I'm sorry, this is the Clemson Mike Williams. Sorry, it's the former Clemson receiver. Uh, but both those guys are like six three, six four. I know Gilmore will probably be on Keenan Allen, but Mike Williams, you're talking about maybe Jason McCourty matched up on him. And I know McCourty played. You know Jason McCourty played pretty well down the stretch, but still. Well, that's where they're um, going to need a good pass rush so that yeah. the defense doesn't expose that bad. And they're going to have to figure out some schemes where they're going to uh, have to do some doubles, but they're going to have to um, cover it up and, and not let it be known what they're going to do. They have to um, – it's got to be a surprise. You know, they can't just go out there and set up in a normal way. They have to make it look like it's something else. Oh, disguise else. the coverage, yeah. of course. Well, I mean, and Belichick and, the, and uh, you know, Brian Flores, I mean, the, you know, they've been doing that sort of, you know, that's uh, – you know that's probably why Flores has been getting some of these uh, you know, phone calls for interviews and. What do you think about whatnot. going fast-paced and no huddle? Uh, I actually think it's not a bad idea. I mean, because maybe you you kind of tire out the Chargers a little bit. I mean, the whole. Or confuse them. Or confuse them, right? Well, I think you can confuse them and tire them out. It might work both ways. They maybe they can't substitute the way they want to, and they're going to be forced to play the same eleven guys all the way through. And then maybe you take advantage of some mismatches on the field. Someone, you know, you've got a size advantage or just some just some speed advantage maybe at a spot, and then you know Brady finds that. I mean, yeah, I think it. You know, I don't know. I just get the feeling they're not going to do that very much. They might try it early, but I, I can't see, you know, Brady. And, you know, again, it just feels like a lot I of these guys are because we're getting too old. We used to do it all the time. I know. We used to do it all no, the I know. time. I know. But we don't now. Well, and then again, if you go back to the whole Brady is hurt. You know, he's got some kind of an injury that he's playing through. You know, this, everybody's this is, hurt. Like I said, everyone's well, right. hurt this time of year. But that's also maybe part of the reason they might limit them as to far as, you know, being able to I'm go. I'm not asking no him to run the ball. I'm just asking him no, to hike right. it faster. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I mean, I wouldn't mind that. You know, the other thing that might possibly, uh, you know, with Rivers is, you know, if the Patriots had had to face either Houston or the Ravens, obviously those are more mobile, younger quarterbacks who, you know, obviously it might have been harder for the Patriots to generate any kind of a pass rush because either Deshaun Watson or, or Lamar Jackson are able to, you know, be able to elude pressure. Uh, so with Rivers, Rivers is definitely an old school, kind of like Brady, stand in the pocket. He has some pocket presence, but maybe if the Patriots can collapse that pocket a little bit, they can get some of that pressure. I think they're going to, I think the defense will have to gamble at times and maybe throw a few blitzes Rivers' way just to kind of, I don't keep him honest because otherwise, I mean, he could theoretically pick them apart. Yeah. Maybe it's a plus we haven't seen him in so long. He hasn't seen a lot of mm. – it's not like someone you have in your division, you see tape on him year after year after year. 
But, you know, interestingly enough, and this is the thing I didn't realize until it had been brought up over the last couple days, Patriots actually played the Chargers last year, and most of the same person, they had most of the same personnel they have now. Patriots won, I think they won by eight points at Gillette. Uh, I think it was an early season game last season. So it hasn't been that long since they played them, but obviously they haven't played them this year. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts quickly on some of the other uh, playoff games? Uh, you know, I think we were we were, we were talking a little bit before we came on the, uh, you know, the air that uh, you know about about the wild card round, which was definitely wild. Uh, yeah, I felt and again I said it earlier. I felt bad for Chicago because first off, no one expected them to have the year they have. They have a great year. Defense, yeah, Trubisky, the rookie. Yeah. Uh, well, second rookie. year, is he? Oh, is, is he his second year? Was he there last yeah, year? Yeah, he was there last year. Oh, okay. All right. right. Um, you know, but they, they just play over their heads. They get uh, Mac from Oakland, mm. right? Big difference. And to miss it, and, and it's almost like it was like a slow torture death, you know, with the, the field goals hitting the post. And then that last one that hit, but it hit the inside, and it's yeah. like, oh, it's uh, no. And then it hits the cross. When if, when's the last time you saw a football hit the crossbar after it hit, hit the uprights? the double doink, as it was yeah. called? Yeah. Well, you know, if anyone could have done it, remember this is a guy who uh, had already hit the post five times this year, yeah. including four times in a so single game. So should tell him that's not what he's aiming for. I know. Imagine if you could get like bonus points for that. I mean, yeah. you know how hard yeah, that that's is. Yeah, a four point field right. goal yeah. instead of three because not you hit the you hit it. Oh my. Oh, no. Okay. Now here's something. Like, right now in baseball. Right. Yeah. If you hit a home, if you hit the ball and it hits the foul pole, it's considered a fair ball, right? And it's a home run. Yeah. Okay. So maybe football should be the same way. If it hits the goal post, it's considered a field goal, and you should actually get an extra point because you hit the post. Uh, I'm sure Cody Parkey wishes so he would yeah, love no, to have baseball not? foul pole rules at this point. Well, it looks a lot like a foul pole, doesn't it? It's yeah. it's long, it's yellow, it's you know. You hit it in baseball, it's considered a yeah. good good hit. Yeah, I know. Well, it's uh, well, you know, he probably should have been glad that it, if it was an arena goal posts. I mean, he would have missed it wide by several feet. Uh, you know, they have those little those really narrow ones that are like the width of the hash marks or something. But, yeah, but I don't think you're kicking yeah. from that far away. No, but uh, boy, yeah, that uh, you know, again, uh, he, he hit the post six times this year, and then for that one to and he and actually once it hits the post, it comes back down, hits that crossbar, and of course it could have gone either way. It could have hit the crossbar and bounced in, in which yeah. it would have counted. That's I thought. I thought at first it was gonna because it's I could see it hit the inside of the pole. Yeah, and usually when it hits the inside of the right. pole, it deflects in. Right. So when it, and when I saw it drop, and it's like, wait a minute. That didn't go in. And then in the end, that Eagles guy apparently got his fingertips on it, which maybe that proved to be just enough of the difference why it ended up uh, double doinking. Maybe otherwise, if he doesn't get it at all, maybe it's a clean kick. Of course, you know, the other thing that happened is, you know, Doug Peterson of the Eagles calls that timeout right after and he boot. You know, first of all, if you're a kicker and you hit the timeout, I, I know there's always that fear. Don't of they, kick the ball. Right, I know. The fear is probably, I know what they're going to say. Well, if I don't do my follow through there, I'm going to, if I stop short, I'm going to like pull something and I can't do that. But, you know, every time they kick it through when, when they get the timeout and then they come back after the timeout, it just never. And then, of course, they had already put up the, the graphic where they had said, this guy's hit the post five times this year. I said, oh, that's it. The yeah, end. but yeah, but no, I, I said the same thing. He should have kicked in the air, kicked in front of the ball. I, I would never want to kick that ball and make it good because if you miss the next one, that's all they're going to say is it worked, it yes. worked, it worked. I mean, all you gotta, I mean, that's what they're supposed to do, kick the ball through the thing. I don't know how much that really ices people, yeah. but it just gives them the opportunity to right. say it did because you hit the first one and you missed the second one. 
Meanwhile, the magic of Nick Foles continues. Uh, he gets. Uh, Maybe they should get rid of Wentz. Maybe they should uh, just keep Foles. It's making you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and you got to give him credit. Obviously, the Eagles advanced because of the double doink, but. You know, he uh, Foles gave him the lead in the final minute with that well, clutch touchdown. Peterson's to... got to have credit because if he doesn't change the way the offense runs, see, if, you, if they change it completely, Wentz doesn't run the, this RPO that they talk about. Right, yeah, right? that's true. But yeah. as soon as he thro- goes the other way, but as soon as he's out, Peterson will put in a whole different new offense, mm. right, with whole with new players, new receivers. Whole different game Philly plan special. on the on the fly, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So that's a credit to him because a lot of coaches can't and won't do that. Yeah, no, it's, it, you're right. It is a credit to him, absolutely. Uh, I mean, do you think they have a shot at uh, in New Orleans this week? I mean, New Orleans is. Uh, I, I think they've lost once at home this year, but they are. Everyone says how tough it is to win at the at the Superdome. I would say uh, no. New Orleans should kill him, but you know, I've been rooting against Philly for two years now, and they keep uh, shutting me up. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one pick you did get right last week, uh, you know, of all the home teams, I honestly thought of all the home teams that would win, I thought Dallas would be the least likely to do so. And, you know, to their credit, I mean, they... How about them Cowboys? Well, they played well. To, <laughs> well, you know, an interesting bond here, if we're going to compare Philly and Dallas, uh, both teams picked up wide receivers at the trade deadline, and they've both been playing well. So did the Patriots. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, well, I was just about to bring that back. Yeah, the Patriots picked up someone, too, but he's not there for the playoffs. and that's. Uh, but anyway, but, you know, Golden Tate for Philly, obviously Amari Cooper for the Cowboys, and, uh, you know, he came up huge. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean. And you know what, and I don't want to talk about this too much anymore because it, it, it kind of bums me out, but the Receivers the Patriots have had come into this system that haven't been, had a clue how to read it, how to run it, how to do it. When I'm talking some really good yep. receivers, right? Right. That just quit, leave. They, they don't want it, right? Mm. And you get this kid, Gordon. Including right? Reggie Wayne at the end yeah. of his career, too. With the you get this kid that comes in that is, is a screw-up. Mm. Big-time screw-up, right? He comes in, and he learns it like it's basic one plus one equals two math. Yeah. And that's so. That's what's so sad about this because he can do that with his brain, but he can't just make his brain say, "Don't take that." Um, but he, he can take an offense that no one seems to be able to master other than in years, and he does it in weeks. The only thing I would say to your point, though, Howie, is I think they might have dumbed down the playbook. No, for, or, I mean I think they, I think they I don't think they opened up the entire playbook and ran Gordon through everything. I think they took advantage of the fact he's got just freakish athletic ability, and they were able to you know Brady was able to put the ball up in some spaces where if you threw it to any other receiver it would have been over their yeah, head. Yeah, but, he, but they were timing passes and there were yeah, slants and there well, were cuts and you know Brady you're supposed to be on the uh, third hash mark in three seconds and you're not he'll stop throwing to you but yeah. he didn't do that because Jordan Gordon knew yeah well you know and now unfortunately that's the thing Brady got over reliant on Gordon throughout the year and now here we are at the playoffs he, he doesn't have him he's got to go back to to Hogan he's got to go back to uh you know to, to Dorsett and he hasn't really, you know, we, we saw him target Hogan 11 times last week, but uh, I don't know, or in the uh, the Jets game, the season finale, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. And like Farah said, that's that's all I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, we're moving on, obviously, they're moving on there. Um, okay, so now to the AFC, uh, first, uh, Chiefs-Colts. I mean, obviously, you thought the Texans were going to win. I thought the Colts had a shot here. Uh, and obviously, luck. I mean, they've won ten out of eleven now. They're, they're I mean, they were one in five at one point when the Patriots oh, yeah. played them early in the year on that Thursday night. I mean, that was a different Colts team than, than what we're seeing now. I mean, luck has got the the confidence. I mean, he's got you know, the luck back. Yeah, right. And he's got 
boy, you know, again, not Josh McDaniels as his head coach there, right? Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, yeah. the, uh, again, well, a, a guy, a, a former quarterback. Think of, some, uh, think of some of the biggest comebacks in college and professional football were done by that man. Yeah, I know. You know, so maybe it's rubbing off on luck. Yeah, well, and they didn't even, obviously, they didn't even need to come back. They were able to take charge. I mean, can you see now... Can you see them going into Arrowhead and winning? Obviously, the, the Chiefs have their own tortured playoff history where they haven't won a game. At, they've lost six straight playoff games at Arrowhead going back to 1993. Last time they won a playoff game, Joe Montana was their quarterback. Okay. And we, we a lot of us don't even remember Joe Montana necessarily being a Kansas City quarterback, but he was. I'll go back uh, to Len Dawson, but I digress. <laughs> I, I, I remember him, too. Great host of Inside the NFL. Kansas City <laughs> has a better offense. Kansas City has a better defense. Defense. Kansas I don't know City, if they have a better defense. Offense, have, yes. I, th- I think the special teams are better. Mm. They're at home. There's no way they should lose this game. But there's four words, four things I'm going to say. Andy Reid, clock management. Mm. And I don't care how great your players are, if your coach can't make the right calls and critical times, his clock management has always been terrible. That's what killed him in Philly, and he, and he never won, and that's what's going to kill him here. Yeah, I know I know. Frank Reich is the master of some of the greatest comebacks in football history, but I think in this game, if you're the Colts, you got to keep it close at the end, and then, like you said, Andy Reid mismanages the clock or something will happen, and that's where the Colts would get the opportunity to take that game. Exactly. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I I still think, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are, uh, you know, their offense is explosive, uh, even without uh, Hunt, uh, you know, Mahomes uh, is just but, off the chart. Yeah, Mahomes what, is. What a he great, is. great kid. What a great year he's had. You know, I hope he doesn't go the way of a lot of those uh, run-pass option quarterbacks where he gets hurt because in the NFL, everyone's, like, huge. Yeah. Um, but I hope he is smart enough to, as he goes on, to be more drop back and, you know, use his legs a little bit less. But that's not his game, mm-hmm. you know. So okay, so again, kind of wrapping up here. Uh, we do we both we both like the Patriots on Sunday, but I mean, I'm saying it's like I say, I think it's going to be a grinder of a game. I could see something like twenty to nineteen, maybe. Uh, Patriots is my lock, and Indianapolis is my upset. Okay, is that how they do it on Fox? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think they the lock and the upset. Right, they got the. I think they have the sound effect too of the lock closing, but I, I can't cue that up in time. I don't. I didn't didn't know you were going to. What throw do they that do for me. the upset? Cry. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. So the Colts are your upset. Yeah, I don't know. I just it's hard for me to go against the Chiefs. But well, again, which, I've been but, rooting yeah. against the Colts, and, and they keep winning. And like yeah. you said, luck keeps looking better and better uh, every game. I mean, I think they've they've started winning. They were winning because he started realizing his arm was okay. Yeah, you know, and I can throw this ball. Um, but sure, sure. No. So it's it's like one of the last teams I'd like to see again in the playoffs. Yeah, the Colts, but. If we do, at least we'll be home. Right. But it should be very interesting. Like I said, I'm glad it's going to be cold in New England this weekend and maybe that little bit of snow because that, that's great. That's you, that's part of our home field advantage. Wouldn't matter too much with Kansas City because they play in cold and right, snow. Right, right. That's true. Yeah, it may it definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think Sandy uh, – see, I did it again. No, the Chargers Oh, hey, let me played. turn the no, thing on at the music for you. Actually, I had it on. No, we're, we're, we're bringing up the closing theme. I wanted to mention, uh, don't forget to follow us on social media by searching Timeout for Sports Talk on Facebook and on Twitter. Our handle, at TOSTBMC, not only for the links to the latest TOST podcast, but especially this month as Belmont's first and only live – Sports talk show celebrates its 25th anniversary on the Belmont TV airwaves. Uh, uh, we uh, f- recorded the first show January 25th, 1994, which was just four days after Robert Kraft bought the Patriots. Uh, so our run's been as long as Robert's. 
four days less, but other yeah, otherwise we're neck and neck. By the way, I looked something up on that. Robert Kraft uh, bought the Patriots uh, back in 1994 for $172 million, which at the time was the most for any franchise. Patriots are currently valued, according to Forbes magazine, at $4 billion. <laughs> I'd say that was a pretty good investment yeah, for Yeah, I guess Kraft. he ended up doing well on that one. And as Pats fans, we're all happy that the team stayed here in uh, New England, too. So uh, thanks again to Christopher Price of the Boston Sports Journal for joining us to talk Patriots. Until next time, for Howie McLeod, this is Todd Bloniar saying, Go Pats! Go Uncle Albert! Go Uncle Albert. Thank you for checking out the TOSD Toddcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network.